I'm so excited to be continuing our Jesus is sermon series today. We're taking now through Easter to look at the seven I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And by giving us these I am statements, Jesus is identifying himself with God, whose personal name is Yahweh, or I am who I am. And these statements, they tell us so much about who Jesus is at his very heart. And so far, we've seen that he is the bread of life. He is the tastiest, most satisfying bread you could ever eat. We looked at that last week. Jesus calls us to eat his flesh and drink his blood. If you want a weird sermon, go back to last week's sermon. But now this week, we're going to look at his, his second I am statement in John 8, 12 through 20. Let's take a look at it. He says, or says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself, and your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. And you judge according to the flesh, I judge no one, and yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it's written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. And they said to him, therefore, where is your Father? And Jesus answered, or he answered, you know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. The sermon title this morning, if you're taking notes, and I'm gonna keep hoping that you are, it's the light of the world, the light of the world. Go ahead and write that down. I wanna pray for us as we jump into God's word this morning. So Lord, we thank you so much for the ability to gather this morning and, and for all these people in this room. God, I thank you for every heart and I pray this morning that as I speak that, or that you would speak to hearts and, and I pray that you'd have your way in this room and that this would not be my own ideas but it'd be a demonstration of your spirit's power. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> All right, this last Thursday night, it felt like any other night for me. My sermon wasn't done yet, even though I wanted it to be done by Wednesday at noon, which never happens. I hadn't made as much progress as I wanted to, so at this point in the week, if, I'm, if I haven't made the progress I want to, my plan is to write, the, or to write a good chunk of it at Jane's Dance, at, at Fusion Dance Studio. For some reason, I can write sermons fast in that waiting room. It's like the Holy Spirit moves in Fusion Dance Studio waiting room. So I'm excited. I love Thursday nights. I get a bubbler from Casey's. Gets me a little boost, but not too much of a boost. That keeps me up all night. And I get to sit in that waiting room and work on my message. I'm driving towards dance, and Walker Zay calls me. He said, and he says it very calmly. He's like, the church is on fire. I'm like, what? He says, the Hudson church is on fire. I'm like, no, it's not. He's like, no, my grandma told me it's on fire. And I'm just thinking at this point, I'm thinking, grandma's crazy. She's seeing things. The church ain't on fire. I was just there 20 minutes before. I'm like, it's not on fire. But I'm like, sure, I'll drive towards her. And honestly, at this point, I'm just thinking, I'm really upset because I'm gonna get there. It's gonna be nothing. And then I'm gonna miss out on the dance studio waiting room time. And I was really looking forward to that. So I'm driving down Green Hill towards the building. And then I see a big flame on top of the building. I'm like, okay, it is on fire. But here's where my mind goes. These are the crazy things you think in these moments. I start thinking, is that just a vision of what the Holy Spirit's gonna do? Like the fire of God is gonna fall. I'm like thinking that, like, Lord, please, please just make this a vision. I can't deal with this right now. And then I see all the fire trucks. Like there's a lot of them, a lot of police cars. Like the whole, I felt like the whole city of Cedar Falls is like, like this is like the craziest thing that's happened in a while. We're all gonna show up. So I'm driving towards there. 
I get there and I, I park in, in one of the back spots by the dumpster and I'm like, should I just pretend I don't know what's going on here? Should I tell, the, or tell them I'm the pastor? What do I do in this moment? And I'm thinking through, like, already, you know, I'm thinking through, you know, what's going to happen with our building project. Uh, I knew nobody was there, so, because I was just there, so I knew that. So don't think I was callous for thinking this way, but I'm just thinking about the building project. I'm thinking, and what are people going to think? One of the thoughts I'm thinking is our church is just merged together, and the people of Grace Community or Glad Tidings before have entrusted me with this facility. We're six weeks in, and it's on fire. <laughs> I'm like, Wow. This is awesome for me. You know, thinking about the fact that for many of you, you got married in that building, you raised your families in that building, and I'm like, you entrusted me with this. We're six weeks in. It's in flames. And so that's going through my mind. I'm thinking through, um, you know, what are we going to do in the future, all of that. So I asked the Lord, what am I supposed to do in this situation? It felt like the Lord said to me, he said, just as I've led you so far, I will lead you now. I've never let you down. I'll keep leading you. Just as I led you to the University of Northern Iowa when you were 18 years old in 2011, just as I led you to go to Bible college and get married, just as I led you back here to be the director of Chi Alpha in 2015, just as I led you to plant Scent Church in the middle of a pandemic, it was like not a great idea for most people, but I asked you to do it. And just as I led you to buy the building at Prairie Street, just as I led you to lead this church merger in 2023, and just as I've led you to start this building project, I'm gonna lead you now. So that's what, I, I took comfort in that because honestly, especially in this whole merger and building project season, there's been a lot of times throughout this journey so far where there's been like obstacles that pop up and it seems like it's gonna be like a shut door and all of a sudden you just bust the door open. Like it's God, like hearts changing, things like that. So I just knew like God wants this to happen. Like this whole merger was not my idea. It wasn't Mike Sullivan or Steve Southworth's idea. It was God's idea. God wanted this to happen. God wants our church to meet at Hudson Road. I mean, you see how quick that fire got called in. People see that property. It took like a few seconds, it felt like, before it was getting put out. So the point is, God wants us there. So if God wants us there, it's not on me, right? So I don't gotta figure everything out. He's gonna lead me each step of the way. He's gonna lead us each step of the way. So I've not looked at my notes yet. Where am I? Anyways, have you had a moment in your life or a season where you didn't know what to do or didn't know how to move forward? Perhaps you're in one of those moments right now. Maybe a relationship in your life has been damaged and you're trying to figure out, how do I repair this thing? Or your finances are tight and you just don't know how to make everything work. It just like The numbers aren't lining up. Or you have a decision to make that's going to affect your future in a very significant way. It could be a decision about a career or a relationship or your kids and you're wondering what to do, no matter what you're facing, the good news is there is a God who created the hundreds of billions of galaxies, which is a lot of galaxies, and knows every hair on your head. He knows every single one of them and he wants to, or he wants to guide you. He wants to be, or to be the light in the night for your life. He, he wants to be that for you. He loves to do this for his people. And we see it all throughout the scriptures. In Exodus chapter three, he comes to a man named Moses in a burning bush. This Moses was an orphan, a murderer, and a stutterer. He had no sense of identity. He had no self-confidence. Despite this, God comes to him and he, and he calls him to become a powerful leader and to, de- and to deliver his people from, the, or from slavery in Egypt. 
And when Moses tells God, you got the wrong guy, God responds by telling him that, that that doesn't matter. His deficiencies don't matter because he, God himself, will be with him as he leads the people of Israel out of Egypt. And, and Moses responds by asking God for his name. And God tells him, I am Yahweh, or, or that means I am who I am. And by this, he was saying that, that he is more loving than Moses could ever imagine. He's stronger than he could ever dream, and he's more capable than he could ever comprehend. He's saying, I'm outside of your wildest dreams, Moses. I will guide you, and, and he did. He, he guided Moses as he led Israel out of Egypt, and, and he would be Moses' light even in the night of self-doubt and uncertainty. He was faithful to lead Moses and, and to set Israel free from the most powerful nation in the world. And after being free from Egypt, Yahweh continued to lead Moses and the people of Israel. He led them through the wilderness on the way to the promised land by being a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He, he was their guide. And, and through this, Israel came to know God as their light. They would call him their light who guided them. And, and they would sing this in Psalm 27. It says this, it says, the Lord is my light. This is their worship book, their prayer book. The Lord is my light. He is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Fear The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Right? They knew the, or the Yahweh who led them through the wilderness. He is their light. He is their salvation. If Yahweh is our light, then who do we have to fear? And in the book of Isaiah, the prophet prophesied that God would send a servant that would be a light not only to the people of Israel, but also to the whole world. He would bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And then later on in Isaiah, he says that at the end of the age, the Lord himself will not only be a spiritual light for his people, but, but he will be the physical light of the whole world. It says this in Isaiah 60. This is where we're headed. It says, the sun shall be no more, or shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your, ever, or your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Okay, so he's going to literally, at the end of the age, Jesus Christ will be like the sun, like lighting up the earth. We aren't gonna need a sun or a moon because he will provide light. That's where we're headed. Okay, with that in mind, that makes what Jesus says in John chapter eight even more striking. He says this in verse 12. He says, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He doesn't say, I'm the light of Nazareth, or I'm the light of, of, of a church. No, I'm the light of the entire world, the cosmos. I'm lighting up the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. A human being, Jesus Christ, a carpenter from Nazareth, this, this backwoods town, tells a crowd that he is the same I am who led Moses and the people of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. He's the same Yahweh who they sang to in their psalm book and, and called their light and salvation. He's that person that they were singing to. He's the servant of the Lord that Isaiah prophesied about who will not only save Israel, but save the whole world. And at the end of the age, Jesus of Nazareth, this human being, he will be the physical light of the world. He will replace the sun. All of this truth is packed into this provocative statement, Jesus is the light of the world. He's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. He is Israel's light and salvation. He is the light to the Gentiles. Let that hit you. 
he ain't messing around here in John chapter eight. And when his listeners heard it, they would have been definitely caught off guard. This is quite the statement. And many were deeply offended by it. And for John's readers though, so if you're just reading the gospel, you're not in the story, you're reading it, uh, or this would not be as surprising at this point in the gospel as John already told us right away that Jesus is the light. He says this in John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So John wasted no time in telling us that Jesus is the word of God, and he is the light that leads to life. And this pulls from a popular verse from the Psalms. If you've been in church for any period of time, you've heard this verse. It says this in Psalm 119. Look at all the truth fact in this that's connected with John 1. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Again, something that the people of Israel would pray. Your word, God's word, is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. So Jesus is the word who is a lamp for the feet of God's people. He leads his people where they need to go. And this Jesus, this word of God, he has life in him. He's full of it. He shines in dark spaces and the darkness will not be able to overcome him. Although there is a very real and present battle with darkness, the darkness will not win against Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus will win. The light is going to overcome And then in John 3, Jesus said this. Maybe you've heard this verse before. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. He echoes what John said in chapter 1. Whoever believes in him will have life. He didn't come to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn you or to lead people into condemnation, but he came to save you. He came to save the world. He came to rescue you. So with that in mind, this has all been building in John towards this point. Let me say it again, John 8, 12. So this is building up to this. It says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So just as Yahweh led his people to the promised land, Jesus is the light of the world who will lead his people to life. And the same is true today. Jesus wants to lead you into life. He wants that for you. The light of the world wants to lead you into life. I don't know how life is going for you, but I do know that Jesus, who is the I am who I am of the burning bush, he wants to lead you to life today. His heart is not to lead you into death. His heart is not to lead you into darkness. That's one of the biggest lies that the enemy will tell people who are far from God is that God wants bad things for them. He wants to lead you somewhere that you don't wanna go. But no, God has good things for you. He's full of good things. Every good thing comes from him. His heart is to make you new. His heart is to restore you. He He wants to forgive you for your past, Every bad thing you've ever done, he wants to wipe that clean. He wants to be present with you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to empower you for your future. He wants to set you free 
just as he set the people of Israel free from Egypt. He wants to do that in your life. He wants to break the shackles off your life. He wants the truth of 2 Corinthians 5.17 to be a reality in your life. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is God's heart towards you. And when God first created the first man, it says that he breathed life into his nostrils. So picture like God creating man out of the dirt and the man's lifeless and then like breathing life into him. It says this in Genesis 2. It says, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed life into his nostrils, the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. In the same way, Jesus, he wants to stand over the chaos of your life and intimately breathe life into you. But the sad reality is not everyone wants the light or the life that the light brings. In John 3, this is why I shared this earlier, it, it continues with uh, this part about light in John 3, 19 through 21. Let's keep reading. Says that, or this is Jesus talking so. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light. This is true. This is true today. You see it all over the place. People love the darkness more than they want the light. Why? Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. They don't want to change. They don't want to be found out. But whoever does what is true, if you want to be someone who, who does what is true, come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So again, some people genuinely do not want the light. They don't want the salvation that Jesus brings. There is no one in hell who didn't choose to be there. That's the reality. They have chosen. They said, I don't want to be with God. I don't want his light. I want to be the master of my own life. They love the darkness more than they love the light because their hearts are bent on evil things. And because of this, they can't be saved. Until they actually want the light, they will be condemned. Not because Jesus is actively condemning them, but because they've chosen that. They've chosen darkness. They've chosen to stay in it. And this is obviously the case with the Pharisees in John chapter eight. They are trying to put Jesus on trial. They are accusing him. And, and they argue that his statements about being the I am can't be true because the testimony is only valid with, with two witnesses. They say this in verse 13. It says, so the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus turns the tables on them and he puts them on trial. He accuses them of judging according to the flesh, according to like a worldly point of view, he says that he's not the only one bearing witness. His father is too. And they respond by continuing to miss the point. It says this in verse 19. It says, they said to him, therefore, where is your father? We might wanna talk to him, see what his testimony is. Where is your father? They're thinking in earthly terms. And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father, if you knew me, you would know my father also. So the Pharisees could not understand why because their hearts were dark and their eyes were dark. It's like they're blind. They can't see anything and they didn't want the light. They wanted to be their own masters. They are a living example of what Jesus said in John 3. Some people hate the light and they refuse to follow it. And because of this, they lead themselves into ruin. Some hate the light and lead themselves into ruin. And again, while Jesus did not come to condemn the world, the world is already condemned because of sin. 
And our only hope for life and restoration is Jesus. He's it. He's all we got. If we don't turn to him and believe in him, we will fall into condemnation and lead ourselves into ruin. It's vital that we repent for loving darkness. And the same applies for those of you that already follow Jesus. There's parts of your heart where you like darkness. There's parts of mine where I wanna give in to sin. It is vital that we actively root that out and repent for it and say, Lord, I don't want that in my heart. I want to love the light. I wanna run to the light. So with that in mind, I think the question we need to consider today is do you want the light? And again, if you already follow Jesus, this applies to you too. Do you want the light to expose every area of your life? Are you content with that or do you kind of box the light out of certain areas? Are you gonna let it in? Do you want it? Do you want the light of Jesus? Do you want life, salvation, and guidance that Jesus offers? Do you want the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night to lead you, even in the wildernesses of your life? Do you want to step into restoration and fullness of life? If so, you gotta come to the light. You gotta believe in Jesus with your whole heart. He doesn't want half of you. He wants all of you. That doesn't mean you're perfect, but that means you're surrendered. You hear me? Doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means you're surrendered. It means you're saying, Lord, I want all of you. Take all of me. You gotta give him everything if you want the light. You gotta throw all your weight into him. You gotta rely on him. He's gotta be your sustenance. He's gotta be your satisfaction and your joy. If you're wondering what this looks like, we actually get a vivid image in the next chapter of what it looks like to love the light and to come to it. So Jesus, he's walking by a blind man and he decides to heal him. It says this in verse five. He says, so Jesus talks and then he does the healing. He says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Again, so he's connecting this with what he's about to do in this healing. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. Do you want Jesus to put mud on your eyes? Sounds like fun. And said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Awesome. So <laughs> I remember when I noticed that after we picked sent church, I'm like, this is pretty cool. Anyway, so he went and washed and came back seeing. So, so notice there, there are two steps to this healing. The first thing is Jesus spreads mud over his eyes. Then there's a second part where he has to go to the pool of Siloam, which means sent to be healed. He has to go somewhere uh, to be healed. So for him to be healed, he had to first let Jesus get up into his business. Let me spit on your eyeballs. Let me put mud on your eyes. He had to let Jesus get up into his business. And then he had to trust Jesus by, by going into the pool. He probably looked like an idiot, right? Like think about the mud cakes, going in the pool anyways. He had to obey Jesus even when things were uncertain. He had to be okay with the uncertainty of that journey from Jesus to the pool, right? He had to walk over there and trust Jesus. He had to go to the place called Sent, and when he did, he came back seeing. Okay, so with that in mind, 
if we want the light of the world to lead us into life, we have to do two things. The first thing is this. If we want the light, we must let him get in our business. He's got to get up into every area of our lives. We can't, again, try to box him out of certain areas of our lives. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. You've heard that, I'm sure. One of those great, che- or not cheesy, but Christian slogans, right? If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. We gotta let him into every area. We, we have to let him have his way, even when it's uncomfortable, so we can truly see. And we must trust him even in the midst of uncertainty. The second thing, though, is if we want the light, we gotta do what he says. We gotta do what he tells us to do, no matter how crazy it is. We have to wholly surrender our lives to him and let him be our light and salvation. And here's the here's a secret. If God is God and you are not, he's gonna tell you to do things that you wouldn't have previously thought of. Everything he tells you to do is not gonna make sense to you. You're not always going to actually agree with it at first. But you gotta do it because you trust him, right? And he's good and you want the light. You want to to step into the life that he's called you to live. And, and as you do this, as you let him get up in your business and you let him, or, and as you do what he says, there's two things that happen. The first thing is you step into salvation. You step into that, or into that life, as they sang in Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. You step into that. When we, or when we follow the light, we step into the eternal life that he promises. As we let him in our business and give him our lives, he gives us his life. It's a beautiful exchange where we give him our sin and our junk and he gives us forgiveness and restoration back. If you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior yet, I pray that you would do that this morning. Let him change your life and let him bring you into the promised land of your life just as he did for the people of Israel. Let him lead you. Give him your life. So this is the first thing that happens when we follow the light. We step into salvation. But the second thing is that we have a personal guide through our life who happens to be the creator of the universe. The creator of the universe is now at our disposal to lead us in our decision making and and what we uh, choose to do with our lives. So as we follow the light, he guides our way. And this applies even when things seem dark, even when our dreams are are on fire, and our future is uncertain, we can look into his eyes and he can light our way. He can guide us through every decision and every detour. He can lead us into the abundant life that he promises us. Even when the enemy tries to steal from us, God is like, or Jesus is like a jiu-jitsu master. He leverages it for good. He like uses the enemy's punches back at him. Right, So I just believe it applies to our situation. Right, he, he uses what the enemy means for evil. He turns it around for good. It says this in Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Okay, so for those who love the light, everything that happens, even the really terrible things that hurt God's heart and he's not happy about, even those things, they all somehow in some mysterious way, work together for good. He takes the good, the bad, and the, and the ugly, and he leverages them for our good and for his glory. It reminds me of what Joseph says to his brothers 
After they tried to kill him, they sold him into slavery, but somehow God uses it to elevate Joseph to the second in command in Egypt. He says this to his brothers when they're repenting to him. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that, that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Okay, so when we follow the light, he can take even the worst situations and somehow, in a way that only he can do, use them for good. But this is only available to those who love the light. So our church is in what could seem like a a dark or uncertain moment where we need the light of the world to guide us. Just a week ago, I was showing you pictures of before and after pictures of the lobby. I have a new before and after picture to show you. Okay, so, so here's the lobby Thursday morning, and here's the lobby Friday morning. In a moment like this, it can be tempting. If you have a worldly perspective, if you can't see things clearly, it can be tempted to despair or question God or back down from what he's called you to do. I'm confident that that won't be our story. We won't back down. The day after... I decided to plant Sun Church the day after I got mono. The enemy started attacking me. It was like assault after assault after we decided to plant Sun Church. Why is that? Why would the enemy attack us when we're trying to plant a church? Because he doesn't want us to plant the church, right? And I'm not saying that the devil is behind every bush, but I just know the devil does not want us meeting in that building. There's been prophecies about that location over the years when Glad Tidings was there. God has a plan for it. It's like the closest church to you and I. And God wants us in that building. And I just believe that Jesus, he's gonna turn these ashes into beauty, right? Come on, somebody. This setback is gonna be actually a setup for a comeback, right? And this tragedy will be a triumph. I just believe it. just as he guided the people, the faithful people who I've learned about through going through some old stuff, but, but as he guided the people of Glad Tidings Assembly of God when they built that building in 1977 and built onto it in 1984, just as he guided them, just as he, he guided us when we planted Scent Church three and a half years ago, he will be faithful to guide us now. He's going to use this fire to do a few things. I think one, he's going to bring our church together in even greater unity. Two, he's going to strengthen our resolve to give the enemy a bad day. And three, we're gonna build an even better building there. Come on, somebody. Come on, let's praise God. Yeah, but here's the thing, for this to happen, we gotta keep following the light, even when things seem dark, especially when things seem dark. And we have to see the light of the world in the night and follow him into life. The same applies to your life. You know, maybe that image of the lobby being destroyed is an image of your life right now. In certain areas of your life, it feels shattered, it feels broken. You look at it and you're like, I don't even know how to clean this up. For you, maybe you're experiencing financial, relational, physical, or emotional difficulties. Maybe you feel far from God. I don't know what you're going through, but I know that it's tempting in those moments to uh, to wanna give into despair. But the call today is to turn your eyes on Jesus. Look at his face and follow his light. Let him get in your business. Listen to him and do what he says. 
matter how hard it seems. And watch him push back the darkness in your life. Watch him one by one put the pieces back together. Or maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus yet. I pray that you would trust him as your Lord and Savior. I pray that you let him be your light and salvation. He wants to be that for you. Because he came and he died on the cross, you can turn from your sins and receive forgiveness. He paid your penalty, every bad thing you ever did. He took it on himself. Why? Because he loves you that much. And then he went into a grave and he came back up out of it. Death couldn't hold him down. Darkness couldn't hold him down. And that can be your story. You can step out of the darkness of your life and step into resurrection life. That's available for you. I just believe there might be someone here this morning who who there's a stronghold in your life, something you've been struggling with, a sin to struggle, and you think that you could never get out of it. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that tells us that you can be set free. You can overcome. The enemy does not have to win in your life. Death does not have to win. The Holy Spirit of God, he can come in and live in your heart, and you can step into the fullness of life that he's purchased for you. If you trust in Jesus, salvation and life is available pray that you do that this morning. Let's go ahead and stand all across this room. Here's my promise to you guys. Sent Church, we're going to be a church that just never backs down to darkness. We will never back down. When the devil punches me in the mouth, I'm going to get back up, right? Like a righteous man, he, he may fall seven times, but he gets up again, right? He has the grit to keep going, and I promise you we're going to keep getting up. The devil's gonna keep attacking in different ways. It won't always be a building fire, hopefully, but other ways. And we gotta get back up, right? right? We're just gonna just outlast him, right? And, and where is that found? Where do we get back up in? Well, the prayer room. The prayer room. We don't you know, do battle with, with physical forces, but with spiritual forces. And we're gonna be a church of prayer. Our church is gonna be rooted in the fact that, that this church is not built on our strength, right? We don't build it. We're not the ones laying the bricks, Jesus is. And we're gonna pray, we're gonna lean on him. And out of that prayer, we're gonna go and we're gonna share the gospel with anybody who will listen, right? We're gonna share the good news. We're gonna open our mouths. We're gonna love our city and preach the good news. Right? We're gonna be that church. We ain't backing down, never, not once, because we stand on Christ, the solid rock. I'm just so thankful to serve a savior where I don't have to have everything figured out. I don't have to stand on my own two feet, but he holds me up, right? So let's go ahead and pray right now. Let's go ahead and seek the Lord. And we're gonna open up the altars here to respond to God. But I'm just gonna pray as I feel led here. So if, if you feel, feel comfortable, you can stick your hands out in front of you, just asking the Lord to, uh, to speak to you and to fill you. So Lord, right now, I pray for every heart here, whatever they're going through, you know, maybe for them, like that lobby is a symbol of what's going on in their life right now. And I pray that you would just show each of us, Lord, that you are the one who puts the pieces back together. You are the light of the world. You're the one who guides us. And Lord, I pray right now that you would shine into those dark areas of our lives. God, that you would shine into every nook and cranny. I, I, I pray that we would let you get up in our business, Lord. I pray that we would not be a people who keep you out of certain areas, but instead we would trust you fully. And out of that trust, we would let you into everything. And God, I pray that as we trust you, we would do whatever you tell us to do. 
We thank you, Lord, for that. God, I pray for those who don't know you yet. And maybe today they wanna step across the faith line and put their trust in you. I pray right now that you would meet them right where they're at, right in the midst of their junk and all their stuff and their past. Meet them, Lord. Make them into a new creation. Holy Spirit, come live on the inside. God, I pray that there be new sons and daughters coming into the family of God right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. All right, let's go ahead. We're gonna have the prayer team up here. They're already up here. Way to go, bullies. So they're up here. They're ready to pray with you. Got the altars open. Let's just seek the Lord here at the end.